Hello, Sat Stackers, and welcome to the latest episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. We have a lot to talk about today, uh, but before we get into that, I want to remind everybody once again of Adam Meister at TechBald on Twitter's 210,000 block theory, because I've seen a lot of lamenting about this crab market or this bear market or this accumulation phase or whatever you want to refer it to it as, as the longest, the most harsh we've ever had in all of Bitcoin's history. And I want to remind you that, you know, Bitcoin has this four-year halving cycle. And if you look at the cycles and you overlay them one on top of each other, they all rhyme pretty much remarkably so, as a matter of fact. And that if you look at where we were 210,000 blocks ago, which would have been October 16th of 2019, Bitcoin's doing exactly what it did then. Bitcoin had, you know, it had bottomed several months before, and then it had gone up to a peak where it looked like the new bull run had started. Everybody was starting to say we were back in the bull run. And then it proceeded to drop back off quite a bit. And then a couple months later, you know, we had the thing and the countries locked down and we had an economic crash and we got a new all-time low or not a new all-time low, but a new a new cycle low or close to the cycle low, a matching of the cycle low. That was really a black swan and that that that's kind of odd. And, you know, if we had a black swan like that again, that would basically be the equivalent of Bitcoin dropping back down to about 15,000 or so once more before the halving, a month or two before the halving. Uh, but had that not happened, we would have bottomed out um, you know, in January or so, uh, after after you know the after the peak and the retracement that we saw, basically just look at the chart. There, I'll post one on Twitter a little bit later that shows exactly where we are and why it looks exactly like it always has. Maybe we'll get into that a little bit more on this episode. Before we do, though, if you're used to joining us just once a week on Wednesday for our DCA Wednesday episodes, I want to remind you that we had a very special episode last week where we interviewed Gabe from Good Beans in El Salvador. And we spoke about Bitcoin, Bitcoin adoption. Of course, we spoke about coffee, about how Gabe is shipping coffee all over the world, uh, and about a little bit about the history of El Salvador, because Bitcoin and El Salvador's recent history are kind of inherently linked. And uh, of course, Bitcoiners have kind of adopted El Salvador as kind of our, 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 our mascot state, our nation state, our exemplary state, our role model for what the rest of the world could look like one day uh, if the rest of the world were to adopt a Bitcoin standard. But I digress. We certainly do have a lot to talk about. And of course, we have that DCA Wednesday stack to make. So let's get to it. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. Welcome back, Sat Stackers. As I mentioned, today is Wednesday, September 27th, 2023. And of course, that means it is DCA Wednesday. Before we take a look at the news and get to that DCA stack where we grow our stack of sats together, let's take a real quick look at the vital statistics. At the time of recording, we are sitting at a block height of 809,646, and Bitcoin is clocking in at a US dollar value of $26,337, 
about $800 of Bitcoin cheaper in U.S. dollar terms than it was for the last DCA Wednesday episode. And that is awesome because today our $20 with a stinking dirty fiat are going to buy us Satoshis at a rate of 3,797 sats per dollar, more than 100 sats more per dollar than we got just last DCA Wednesday. And I keep saying this over and over again, you know, we're in that crab market, the accumulation phase, whatever you want to call it, and it is going to end sooner rather than later. You know, fall just started, which means, you know, much like the seasons TikTok next block, the turn of the seasons come, the the, the earth revolves around the sun, life goes on kind of thing. And we only have two more turning of the seasons before the next block having. And when that happens, when Bitcoin kicks off its next epic bull run, if history repeats or at least rhymes, you know, God only knows what the U.S. dollar value of Bitcoin will do, not even taking into account the destruction of the U.S. dollar through inflation. Don't be the guy who's kicking himself wishing you had bought at 26,000 or 27,000 or just that you have more sats or that you had more sats than you do when that time comes because when Bitcoin sets a new all-time high, you're not going to be able to pick up 3,700 sats for just one US dollar. And speaking of the halving, we are currently 30,351 blocks away from that halving and that is looking like it's still going to happen on April 21st of 2024. Of course, the halving happens at block 840,000. What day of the week, day of the month, what what time that happens as far as human measured time is concerned, uh, nobody knows for sure. But in you know, if blocks average 10 minutes per, between blocks, like they're supposed to, of course they don't, uh, you know, and that's why we have the difficulty adjustment. But if they were to average 10 minutes in between blocks, We'd be seeing block 840,000 roll around sometime around April 21st of next year. Either way, it's coming up fast, just like, you know, fall came up fast. It just seems like it was just the beginning of summer. And uh, here we are, here we are in the fall, in the Northern Hemisphere anyway. If you're listening in the Southern Hemisphere, you know, uh, it's it's spring. And of course, uh, the halving will happen during fall. So... Either way, TikTok next block, we're about a thousand blocks closer than we were last week to the halving. And just like time marches on, uh, the Bitcoin blockchain marches on. For those of you who care about this sort of thing, Bitcoin's market cap is down a little bit from last Wednesday as well. Bitcoin currently has a total market capitalization of 513.5 billion. It was 529.8 billion last week, but still above 500 billion. And of course, below the one trillion mark we saw when Bitcoin was above 50,000, when it was, you know, at the upper ranges of its previous all-time high, the double all-time high that we had uh, in the last bull run. Uh, I don't, I, I understand why people are critics of market cap as a metric. However, with more and more normies coming on board with institutional money coming on board or poised to come on board with more Wall Street attention, with more financial media attention, that market cap figure is important to them. And it is useful to gauge just how much interest or just how much investment there is in Bitcoin or pouring into Bitcoin, you know, because you can compare it to things like the top 10 companies by market cap, for example. You know, uh, you can compare it to companies like Apple, Google, Microsoft. And when you do that, it's really quite amazing because 
when you figure that you know there's nowhere near as much money invested into Bitcoin or converted into Bitcoin as there are, uh, for example, Apple has a market capitalization of two, more than two and a half trillion, you know, five times more money invested in Apple stock than just invested in Bitcoin. Microsoft has a market cap of about two trillion. Google has a market cap of more than a trillion and a half. Amazon also more than a trillion. And Tesla right about a trillion. So when you when you put that into comparison, that's a if, if just a, if, if just as many people went on a Bitcoin standard or or put an or at least put enough of their net worth into Bitcoin that you know co would compare to how much of their net worth they might have in Apple stock, uh, the sky's the limit. I mean that would be a five x price increase from where we're at right now. Uh, so that would be well over $100,000 for Bitcoin. And that would only be to match the market capitalization of just Apple. I firmly believe that one day Bitcoin will have the market capitalization. Well, they say 21 million divided by, or everything divided by 21 million, right? Um, but even if it just has the market capitalization of the top 10 most valuable companies in the world combined, we're easily talking about million dollar a coin Bitcoin. And I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know when that would happen or necessarily the, the triggers that would make that happen. I know I know why it would happen because Bitcoin's the hardest, you know, uh, the hardest, the best money ever invented, ever created, ever discovered. But you know what what the chain of events are, what the straw that breaks the fiat camel's back is. I, I don't know when that's going to happen. I don't have a crystal ball. I can tell you that for the last 13 years, Bitcoin has, you know, set a new all time high six months to a year after the halving and then going on to have its ultimate blow off top a year to 18 months later before you know we have the retracement and and history history repeats and the cycle is complete leading up to the next halving for those of you who value your wealth in gold it will currently cost you 14 ounces of gold to purchase just one bitcoin if you're a gold bug that's just a tiny bit cheaper for you than it was last week but still almost a pound of gold to purchase just one bitcoin and be warned when Bitcoin does set a new all-time high, we're not going to be talking about ounces. We're going to be talking about pounds. I know a lot of gold bugs that are Bitcoiners, but I also know a lot of gold bugs that are absolutely stubborn, pig-headed, think that Bitcoin is a scam, that think the government's going to destroy Bitcoin, what, whatever their excuse is, that just cling to their gold. And I want to remind you that, yeah, gold has been a store of value for 5,000 years. The saying goes, in Roman times, one gold coin would buy you like a toga and a pair of slippers. In 1900, one gold coin would have bought you a fancy suit and a pair of shoes and a nice belt. And today, one gold coin will buy you about the same thing, which isn't necessarily true with inflation because that fancy suit's going to cost you a lot more than $1,800 or whatever a gold coin is currently worth at this moment, but approximately $1,800. But either way, all that's saying is you haven't lost any purchasing power by holding onto gold. Uh, and I have more to talk about on, about gold when we get into this podcast because... Uh, well, well, we'll get into it in a bit. Uh, we'll continue on with the with the vital statistics. For those of you who value your wealth in pizza, one Bitcoin will currently purchase you 1,472 large pepperoni pizzas from Papa John's. That is more than a pizza. That is more than a pizza every day for, um, well, that's a pizza. That's one pizza every day for more than four years for just one Bitcoin. Uh, so if you if you think about it in those terms, you know, your family could survive for four years, even if they only ate once a day. You could feed your family for four years for just one Bitcoin. And that is pretty cool. Uh, 
good luck doing that with uh, a shiny yellow rock. Activity on the Bitcoin blockchain appears to have picked up a little bit since last week. Last week, there were approximately 54 blocks with the transactions pending in the mempool, and that is up to 57 blocks. And if you do have a transaction that you need to guarantee is included in the next block, a high priority transaction, Clark Moody's dashboard is estimating that it will cost you 31 sats per V-byte to guarantee that that transaction is mined in the next block. That, however, is cheaper than last week when they were... Uh, when they're estimating 40 sats per V-byte. Mempool.space is also showing that it's almost twice as cheap as they were estimating last week. Last week, they were estimating that a high-priority transaction would need a fee of 42 sats per V-byte, and right now they're estimating a fee of 23 sats per V-byte will be in the next block or two. That is about 85 cents in U.S. dollar terms, and that is almost exactly half of what they were estimating last week. So even though there's a little bit more activity on the network, uh, mining fees are down, and that is good because last week it was a dollar sixty U.S. dollars uh, in U.S. dollar terms to guarantee that your your on-chain transaction will be mined. And while that's nowhere near as expensive as we saw in 2017 or during the hash wars, uh, it's still a lot more expensive than it had been when you know less than twenty-five or thirty cents. Uh, it would cost you less than 25 or 30 cents in U.S. dollars to uh, to do a priority transaction. Along those lines, a no-priority transaction, you have plenty of time to wait on. Uh, they're saying you can still include a fee as low as 6 sats per V-byte. Uh, so, you know, a fifth, 20% of uh, what it would cost for a priority transaction. Of course, if you're going to do that, make sure you're familiar with replace by fee or child pays for parent. So you have the ability to uh, bump that fee, get, get a transaction unstuck. If, uh, if the transaction has been mined, or if the priority of that transaction changes while it's sitting in a mempool somewhere that you have the ability to speed it up. Uh, and speaking of 24-hour on-chain transaction rate or Bitcoin's on-chain transaction volume, the metric I love to follow, the 24-hour transaction rate is down significantly from last week. So that kind of contradicts with, uh, with the mempool bloat a bit, but at the moment, Bitcoin's 24-hour transaction rate is at 4.03 transactions per second, which was, well, that would have been, that would have been blazing before Taproot and Ordinals and Inscriptions when, you know, you would have never seen a transaction rate of more than four per second. It would have been highly unusual. At the time, I used to say if you saw more than pi, more than 3.14 transactions per second, that that was indic indicative of a lot of, a lot of transaction volume and in the entire history of this podcast, anytime we had seen above 3.14 transactions per second, that meant the price of Bitcoin was on the rise. Uh, that, however, is completely out the window. Uh, everything changed with Taproot and the ordinals and, ordinals and descriptions fiasco. And uh, we'll have to see how that shakes out in the future. So maybe this metric will no longer be a valuable metric to follow. But in the meantime, I'm going to keep following it just so, uh, just so we know. Uh, and it is interesting to see the 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 uh, peaks and valleys, the ebbs and flows in the rate of transaction volume. And speaking of on-chain, speaking of mining, the we're, well, we're currently 786 blocks away from the next mining difficulty adjustment. Last DCA Wednesday, we had, uh, we had, we had just had a fairly large increase in mining difficulty. It went up by 5.5%. If you're not familiar, Bitcoin... The Bitcoin algorithm adjusts its the difficulty that it that it takes to find a block every uh, 
2016 blocks, which is theoretically every two weeks with the goal of keeping blocks coming in on an average of once every 10 minutes. If they're coming in too fast, it gets a little more difficult to mine. And if it's coming in too slow, it gets a little easier to mine. And that's one of the most more genius aspects of the Bitcoin Core protocol. Currently, we're looking about we're looking at the next mining difficulty occurring sometime around October 3rd, about five and a half days from now. And uh, last week, I believe that was looking like it was going to be October 5th. So things have sped up. Blocks are coming in a little bit faster than they were. But yeah, last week they were averaging 10 minutes and 16 seconds. Right now they're averaging 10 minutes and four seconds. So they're definitely coming in faster. And depending on who, uh, wh whose data you're looking at, uh, it, it could be, well, it, it's this is up in the air because one side I'm looking at says there's going to be a difficulty decrease of 0.7%. And that would that would jive with an average of 10 minutes and four seconds. And others actually forecasting a 2.2% difficulty increase. Uh, and that's probably because they're taking in the trend because Bitcoin has been speeding up. So there, I guess they're assuming that uh, in five and a half days that if Bitcoin, if hash rate continues to increase, if block time continues to speed up, then they'll need a difficulty increase. Of course, we won't know until, you know, until uh, we won't know for, we won't know for another 786 blocks uh, what that's going to be. But it looks like it's pretty close to a wash right now because blocks are currently averaging 10 minutes and four seconds. So a little slower than that 10 minutes, but even if they get a little bit faster, and, uh, and come in at you know nine minutes and 59 seconds, uh, that isn't much of a difficulty adjustment. So if you're mining at home, or you work for a big corporate miner, or you are a big corporate miner, uh, things are looking like they're gonna stay pretty much the same. Before we continue, I wanna thank those of you listening on your favorite podcasting 2.0 apps, such as Fountain and Breeze. Listening on your favorite podcasting 2.0 app helps you support your favorite podcast through the value for value method, where you can stream sats on a minute basis, minute per minute basis. Uh, to help support your favorite podcast or send a boost, which is basically like a smash tip on the Lightning Network where you can send sats to your favorite podcast. And because it's Lightning, it also is a, you know, you can also send a message. And we do have one boost, and that's from Leggy. Leggy boosted the podcast 5,000 sats and says, thanks, just received Bitcoin for noobs. Until last week, I never read the show notes and didn't know about it. Uh, what he's referring to is a book I wrote in 2017 called Bitcoin for Noobs. And it is just that. It's it's not a very long book and it's not a very complicated book. At least I don't think it's a very complicated book. Uh, and it's basically a primer for those uh, that, that are not Bitcoin OGs that, you know, um, that are that are looking to answer that question. You know, what is Bitcoin? What is Bitcoin all about? It could come in handy for orange pilling some of your normie friends. You know, it's uh, it isn't like I said, it's not super long and it's a little bit outdated because I wrote it in 2017. For example, I talk about paper wallets in there and Paper wallets, is, as you should know, are completely obsolete. You shouldn't be shouldn't be using paper wallets anymore. So, um, but nonetheless, thank you, Leggy, for the boost. Thank you for the shout out with the boost, and thank you for purchasing a copy of Bitcoin for Noobs because that certainly helps to support the podcast as well. And for those of you who uh, aren't necessarily interested in 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 tipping in supporting your your favorite podcast, you should still listen. Uh, to your favorite podcast on the fountain because well it helps grow the the uh, value for value uh, community and you can get paid for listening to your favorite podcast uh, depending on the day and how many sats they have available uh, you can earn sats for listening to your favorite podcast or listening to sponsored podcasts 
I listened to a really weird podcast I would not have normally listened to the other night because it was a featured sponsored podcast. And I got paid like 60 sats for listening to it. So um, that's cool. And you can build those up and you can pass them along or you can hoard them or you can do whatever you like. I like to think of it a little bit like the Bitcoin faucets they used to have where you could get like 5, 10, 20 Bitcoin just for going to a website. And at the time that was basically worthless. But now, I mean, 5, 10, 20 Bitcoin is a ton of money. And maybe one day, you know, if, if Bitcoin hits dollar sat parity, you get paid 50, 60 cents for just listening to your favorite podcast, something you're going to do anyway. So besides the fact you can help support your favorite podcast, you can also earn some sats and help grow your stack uh, by listening on Fountain. So they are not a sponsor of the podcast, but why turn down free sats? Help, help grow your stack, even if you want to pass those sats on to one of your favorite podcasts when you accumulate enough enough to do so. Speaking of our listeners, our geographic distribution listeners remains unchanged this week. The top 10 countries are as follows. Number one remains the United States. So thank you to everybody listening from the United States. Number two remains Argentina. Uh, it has been number two for as long as I can remember. So muchos gracias, amigos, in Argentina. Uh, likewise, Germany remains number three, where it has been a stalwart at the number three position for as long as I can remember. So muchos, not muchos gracias. Well, muchos gracias, amigos, in Deutschland. Danke schön, mein Freund, in Deutschland. Number four remains Luxembourg. Again, danke schön, mein Freund, in Luxembourg, or Morien. Number five remains Canada. So thank you to everybody up north of the United States, where it's certainly, I'm sure you're certainly feeling fall in the air now. Number six remains Spain. Again, muchos gracias, amigos, in España. Number seven remains Colombia. That was the big change last week where, uh, where Venezuela bumped down from number seven and Colombia took over the number seven spot. So muchos gracias, amigos, in Colombia for holding number seven. Number eight remains Sweden, where once again, nobody has reached out to me to say what a customary greeting was uh, would be uh, if you were listening from Sweden. But thank you to those of you who are listening from Sweden. You're obviously there because I can see the stats. Number nine remains Singapore. Likewise, nobody has reached out to me from Singapore to let me know what a customary greeting or or a, or, or expression of thanks would be uh, from where you're listening in Singapore. But thank you for listening, for those of you listening in Singapore. And number 10, as with last week, remains Venezuela. So again, muchos gracias amigos in Venezuela. And if you are not in one of the top 10 countries, there are several countries lurking below in the 11th, 12th, and 13th place that are really, really close to moving into the top 10. So if you are listening to a country that I did not mention, well, thank you, first of all, for listening. But, you know, if you, if you help Orange Pill a friend get one or two more friends to listen to the podcast, you might be able to move your country into the top 10. Uh, and that would be really cool. All right. Uh, real quick, a look at the news. You know, this is DCA Wednesday, and DCA Wednesday is our dollar cost averaging show where we grow our stack. But perhaps the ultimate dollar cost averaging Bitcoin Chad himself, Michael Saylor, continues to engage in the ultimate act of dollar cost averaging where he purchased another $150 million worth of Bitcoin for MicroStrategy in the last, well, it says since August. This is an article from Business Insider that says software firm MicroStrategy spent $147.3 million on Bitcoin purchases over the past two months using stock sales to help finance the investment and SEC filing shows. The acquisition added 5,455 Bitcoin between August 1st and September 24th. So basically, MicroStrategy now holds 
158,245 Bitcoin with a current US dollar value of about $4.1 billion. That is amazing. And talk about a speculative attack on the US dollar because uh, you know he's using stock sales and options to finance these purchases. So, you know, people were fudding, you know, what if Microsoft, what if Microsoft, what if MicroStrategy gets liquidated? What's their liquidation price? And they have to dump all their their Bitcoin and most of those purchases have been options purchases where they don't necessarily have to pay back the loan or in this case they sold stock, so uh, they're not facing liquidation. They don't. This isn't. This isn't. This wasn't a loan, and the loans they do have were convertible loans, which means they have the right to issue stock or options or whatever the case may be instead of paying back in U.S. dollar terms. So what a Chad. There is some additional fud out there because Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy control so much Bitcoin. I think it's about a full percent of all the Bitcoin in, in circulation right now. And, uh, or maybe more, I, I didn't do the math on that. I was just pulling that out of thin air. Um, and of course, the logical answer to that is MicroStrategy is a public corporation. You can buy shares in MicroStrategy if you want to shitcoin, pardon my French. Um, you know, if you're gonna buy stocks, MicroStrategy, you know, at least it's a Bitcoin a Bitcoin centric company, but my point being, there are millions of shareholders of MicroStrategy, so they're not Michael Saylor's Bitcoin. He does have a boatload of Bitcoin, but MicroStrategy's Bitcoin really belongs to those people that bought that stock. Uh, so it isn't like, you know, this is the making of a futuristic sci-fi villain where he controls the world one day because he's the holder of all Bitcoin. And even if he did own half of all Bitcoin, that gives him absolutely zero power as far as the Bitcoin protocol goes. You know, the only power or sway a large holder of Bitcoin itself could have would be to temporarily influence the price by buying or selling. You know, if you dump uh, $4 billion with dollars, dollars of the Bitcoin on the market, obviously the price of Bitcoin would tank temporarily, but that would be a temporary thing and that would be all that he could do. So uh, the fun about Michael Saylor is, is just that. And it's really cool if they're gonna be billionaires and trillionaires and, you know, financial elite out there, at least it's gonna be a Bitcoiner. One of, one of us, so to speak, maybe not one of us because we're not on the same par financially, but somebody who has the same values as we do, at least when it comes to, you know, hard money and, uh, and, and time horizons. I mentioned gold a little bit earlier, and there's two things that were in the news as far as gold is concerned. OSIRIS-REx was the NASA mission to go out to uh, uh, an asteroid and mine it and come back and bring a sample, and it did on Sunday. The OSIRIS-REx capsule returned to a landing in the desert in Utah, and it returned about a, one, about a half pound sample that it mined on that asteroid. And, you know, it was a very expensive science mission, and people, People that like to poo-poo asteroid mining uh, say you could never, you could never do that, you know, with 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 mining commercially. But this mission demonstrates it's technically possible. When you look at companies like SpaceX, they now have two rockets that they've flown more than 17 times apiece, uh, and that's pretty insane. That's bringing the cost of getting to low Earth orbit down. I firmly believe that one day this is going to happen with gold, at least in, as long as gold maintains or commands any kind of monetary premium. If gold becomes completely demonetized, if it becomes just like aluminum one day, then yeah, it probably won't happen. But as long as gold remains extremely expensive or has any kind of monetization left, one day we're gonna see one of those asteroids that's composed mostly of gold towed into low Earth or no Earth orbit, which would be vastly cheaper and vastly easy to do. We now know without a doubt the technology is there because uh, we just did it, right? The mission just returned. This was a seven-year mission and the OSIRIS-REx 
spacecraft went on a four billion mile round trip and was still able to pull it off. If we were in low Earth orbit, 120 or 150 miles up, uh, that would just be like dropping chunks of gold off the highway overpass. And mark my words, this proves that we're just one day closer to seeing that. Speaking of gold, Marty Bent had Godfrey Bloom on his Tales from the Crypt or Truth for the Commoner or whatever he's calling the TFTC podcast now yesterday. If you don't know who Godfrey Bloom is, he's that guy you've probably seen going on rants in the in the EU parliament uh, about, you know, anti-central bank. And, and uh, he, basically, he thinks like we do. He, he's, he's kind of he was kind of the British EU version of uh, of Ron Paul out of the Fed kind of thing. His wiki says that uh, he is a former British politician who served as a member of the European Parliament for, for Yorkshire and the Umber from 2004 to 2014. During that interview, he said a lot of things we all agree with, and he is said repeatedly he's not anti-Bitcoiner, but that he is a, uh, a gold bug and that he thinks gold is superior to Bitcoin. And one of the reasons he did it uh, was that he said that, that you can't just go out and spend Bitcoin, but you can go out and spend gold. And he said he can go to a hotel in any country of the world, give them a gold sovereign and get a hotel room and a meal for the night. Uh, and I called bullshnick on that. Bullshice. Bull. Kusha, BS, big BS on that. The only way you're getting a hotel room and a meal for a gold sovereign is if you find some clerk at a hotel who you're willing to get to take gold, who's going to trust you that that's not a counterfeit gold sovereign, which is a big part of the reason why you're not going to get someone to do so. But let's say, uh, Mr. Bloom, that if you walk into the Hilton here in, in, uh, in Cocoa Beach or the Holiday Inn, or the Motel 6, I don't care where it is. The only way you're getting a room for that gold sovereign is if it's like something out of planes, trains, and automobiles where you're bartering with the clerk. And uh, you're going to get far less than that gold's worth if you find a clerk who's willing to either buy that, take that gold sovereign for you, and then give the hotel the cash for your room, or just flat out steal a hotel room from their employer and give it to you for free and then pocket the sovereign. There are, however, very specific hotels that we can name that will accept your Bitcoin. So uh, that was complete FUD. He also, I forget, there was something else I really, really disagreed with him in. And I was disappointed that Marcus, I'm sorry, Marty, uh, did not um, did not call him out on it. That was a little bit of a slip. If you remember last week, the controversy was that Marty Bench is a pen name and that his real name is Marcus Dent. Uh, and apparently some people knew that, some people didn't. Uh, that controversy seemed to have died down as quickly as it fanned up, but it was funny to hear uh, to hear Odell call him out as Marcus on Rabbit Hole Recap the next day. Anyway, it was a great podcast if you have the time to listen to it, but you'll see, uh, just like I did, there are a couple of really obvious points that uh, Godfrey makes that are just flat out wrong. Not the least of it is that you can walk into a hotel in any country and get a room for a freaking gold coin, but you can't for Bitcoin. Uh, if you can get a clerk to accept a gold coin, it's probably a heck of a lot easier to get them to download, you know, an app on a, on their phone and receive and receive Bitcoin, especially if you're going to have to give it to them for a freaking bargain like you would have to with that gold coin. Speaking of gold and traditional financial system, apparently people were surprised that the SEC has delayed the decision on the ARC 21 shares Bitcoin ETF. I've said all along, and I think pretty much everyone agrees that the SEC is going to delay as long as they can possibly delay on approving a Bitcoin ETF, even if they're ultimately forced to because of the, you know, the ruling in the lawsuit that when Grayscale sued the SEC and won for rejecting their conversion of the Bitcoin Investment Trust into an ETF. But the fact that we don't have a Bitcoin ETF, you know, you should be cheering these decisions that the SEC is delaying it. 
Maybe you really, really, really want to see number go up and number go up. Number go up, it would if an ATF was approved. Even if it was just a temporary bump, you would see some kind of rally. But every day that a Bitcoin ETF gets delayed is a blessing because every day you can stack sats and you can get more sats for each of those dollars you're converting into sats is a good day. I am not in a hurry to get less than a thousand sats per dollar for my filthy, filthy fiat. I'm not in a hurry to, to, to spend 250,000 or a million dollars per coin to stack sats. You know, I intend to continue dollar cost averaging for the long term. This is not a, you know, a, a buy and sell investment for me. This is, I'm trying to build my stack for when we eventually have hyper Bitcoinization. Maybe one day we'll be living on Bitcoin and you'll be, you know, buying your groceries or your hotel rooms, right, Godfrey? With Bitcoin, maybe, maybe not. But either way, I continue, I intend to continue to grow that stack. And therefore, the lower the price in US dollars that Bitcoin is, the happier I am. Um, and more importantly, why is anyone in a hurry to see Greystone or Black, BlackRock or Grayscale or any of the Wall Street types uh, start hoovering up Bitcoin? One of the really cool things about the Bitcoinization, the way it's been going, is that uh, people refer to it as the, a great economic shift, a paradigm shift, where you know the average person, the plebs, the people, the the little guys that just put ten, twenty dollars a week in, like we do are the ones that have been amassing all this Bitcoin. And if Bitcoin does go to the moon one day, you know, it's going to empower an entire new an entire new underclass of people to be, you know, in the upper levels financially of society. And why in the heck uh, would you want to snip that, nip that in the bud and say, okay, uh, you know, you working your minimum wage job in, you know, Peoria, Illinois, or you working that minimum wage job in, in a Nairobi, Kenya, you know, it's going to be too late for you if you didn't buy in, you know, step aside because it's Jamie Dimon's turn. You know, that I, that's just something I don't even want to conceive of. So the longer Wall Street stays out of Bitcoin, the better in my book. And I think, you know, maybe it's one of those things where, you know, people first get into Bitcoin because they, they see the number go up thing and that's what turns them on. I was never in that boat. When I first found out about Bitcoin, it was worth nothing. Uh, I think it was uh, an article by Kim.com or about Kim.com where I first found out about Bitcoin because it was basically, you know, trading pirated movies or whatever for, for Bitcoin or whatever he was doing at the time and thumbing his nose at authority. And I thought, that's really cool. So what turned me on about Bitcoin was the uh, was the FU aspect of it, the freedom aspect of it. Not even necessarily the technological aspect or the hard money aspect. I didn't get the 21 million cap. I didn't even know about the 21 million hard cap when I first found out about Bitcoin. I just thought it was a really cool way, a really cool sly roundabout way to undermine undermine authority. Um, but most people, most normies that get into Bitcoin, get into it because they see the articles about somebody who turned $1,000 into a million or whatever the case may be, and they, and they get into it for the number go up thing. And uh, if that's you, you should still want to accumulate as much as possible before you see a number go up. But I digress. That's not what this podcast is about. I've just got a couple of more news points I want to talk about before we get into our stack. And last but not least, uh, yesterday, uh, the latest round of FUD came out about uh, President Joe Biden's upcoming potential executive order, a rumored executive order. And apparently he's supposed to be signing an executive order on artificial intelligence that has some uh, some spillover, uh, has some ramifications for Bitcoin. 
Uh, there are multiple articles out there, but one of them specifically says it refers to it refers to the tweet of the person who the person who spilled who who broke this news and basically says the executive order classifies computing power as a national resource and says that mining Bitcoin, developing video games, and running AI models like ChatGP all require large amounts of compute, and that because it's a national resource, he's invoking the whole national security thing that that the government's going to have make some attempt to regulate computing power. And I think they name mining Bitcoin specifically by name, to which I say good luck, uh, good luck finding the pleb with the Antminer S9 in their in their garage, good luck uh, influencing the miners in uh, in 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 Venezuela uh, that have a government that they'd be far more worried about than the U.S. government cracking down on them. Good luck to the miners and uh, good luck influencing the miners in Iran who definitely have more to fear from their government than we have to fear from ours. Uh, you know. It, there's a lot of things pathetic about the current U.S. administration, and, and this is just one of them. Again, everything that happens between now and next November needs to be looked, uh, a year from November, a, a year and a month from now, needs to be looked at through the lens of politics. Because in the United States, November 2024 is the next presidential election. And really, the presidential campaign cycles, they really never end, but they get into full swing about two years prior to the election. So even though the campaigning the campaign stops, the campaign ads aren't running. Everything the incumbent politicians do right now is being done exclusively to gird their support, to bolster their position as far as their upcoming reelectability is concerned. And so everything that happens is just showmanship and BS uh, to include the potential government shutdown looming at the end of this month. Um, I have a lot to say about the government shutdown as well, but I don't have time to get into it because the clock is ticking and we really need to get that DCA Wednesday stack done. So let's just get straight into that. For those of you who've never listened to us before, you might be asking what is DCA Wednesday all about? And DCA Wednesday, well, the DCA is short for dollar cost averaging. And dollar cost averaging is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals, regardless of price. For example, this is going to be our 114th stack. We started stacking every Wednesday, that's our regular interval, all the way back on July 28th of 2021, and we started stacking $20 every Wednesday, and that's our equal portion. And we chose $20 because I wanted to show that it is not too late for the average pleb. As long as you can come up with $20 once a week, you can still help build a stack of Satoshis. It is not too late. It still isn't too late. I think this podcast has shown that. While Bitcoin remains on sale, as far as I'm concerned, you still have time to amass a stack of Bitcoin that will that will be enough to significantly uh, it will be enough that it will be significant to you when hyper Bitcoinization finally comes. At least you will not be left behind when, as Christine Lagarde says, the escape hatches are open, and that escape hatch is Bitcoin, and the only way out of the fiat nightmare or the collapsing dollar or the collapsing pound or the collapsing peso is through Bitcoin, uh, you will have, instead of being, instead of scrambling, trying to find someone who will trade your worthless fiat for Bitcoin, you will already have at least enough uh, to get your family to safety or to buy your family food or whatever that may be. Anyway, as I mentioned, so far we've stacked 113 times. We've converted a total of 2,260 US dollars into Satoshis, including $50.85 worth of fees. So, um, that $2,260, man, we did that just without even talking about the number of Satoshis we got. If you're one of those people that says, you know, it's too late, I don't have enough money to invest, I only have $50, I only have $100, 
Well, just by plunking away twenty dollars a week, we've we, that twenty dollars is is has turned into $2,260, which we've turned into 7,844,955 Satoshis. And that I think is even at current prices. I and mean, that's a significant amount of Bitcoin. But when Bitcoin hyper, hyper, when hyper Bitcoinization occurs, when Bitcoin becomes the global reserve currency, that is significantly more Bitcoin than the average person on earth will be able to have. If you take 21 million people, divide it by the billions of people on earth, I think the current, the average, if you take in, into account lost Bitcoin is uh, something like 250,000 sats is all that would be available for the average person. And you would have 7.8 million if you just started dollar cost averaging $20 a week when we first began this show. Hopefully you did or have been stacking longer. And we're going to grow that stack today by opening up the Cash App and tapping Bitcoin and entering $20 and tapping Buy and tapping Confirm. And boom, we just stacked another 74,154 sats. Looks like Bitcoin got a tiny bit more expensive while I've been talking. Uh, well, no, it's it's about the same Bitcoin. We made we made that purchase uh, at a at a rate of twenty six thousand three hundred sixty three dollars and eighty cents. So about thirty dollars more than when I when I began the show. Uh, that seventy four thousand one hundred fifty four sats brought our stack up to seven point nine million. We have seven million nine hundred nineteen thousand and one hundred nine sats. So if Bitcoin doesn't go on an epic tear. We are just maybe two more stacks away from having 8 million sats. Perhaps as importantly, because Bitcoin was on sale, we lowered that average cost basis again. We knocked $17.20 off our average purchase price. Our average cost basis is now $28,791.12. And that's only really important for tax purposes. All I focus on is the size of the stack. Size is all that matters pun intended. What is interesting though, and we spoke about this last week, last week we mentioned if you had YOLO'd in uh, at $39,716, which was the price of Bitcoin when we did our first stack on our very first DCA Wednesday, uh, you would only have a stack of 5.6 million sats. So you'd have 2 million, you know, 2 million, well, you'd have 2 million, 200,000 fewer sats than you do by DCAing. Um, but you know, if Bitcoin does go to the moon one day, if Bitcoin, let's say Bitcoin hits a million dollars, that's 7.9 million sats will be worth 79,449 US dollars. And, you know, if you want to put that in perspective, I don't think there are too many places in this world where 79,000 US dollars in current value wouldn't be a potentially life-changing amount. You know, Michael Saylor found $79,000 on the ground it wouldn't change his life, but I know if I found $79,000 in my bank account that I had forgotten I put there, uh, I would breathe a lot easier. Of course, I would convert that all into Bitcoin immediately, but my point stands that that is a significant investment for most people anywhere in the world. And uh, we did that just by stacking $20 a week for 114 Wednesdays. Okay, my last little bit before I wrap this up is I want to ask you to follow us on Twitter. On Twitter, we are at BTC Bulletin Pod, and we don't have a whole lot of people following us on Twitter, but if you want to find out about things like, you know, the special one-off uh, episodes, like sometimes we do a, a weekend ep update episode, and, we, and last week we did an interview with Good Beans in El Salvador, at Good Beans Thought on Twitter, by the way. 
If you want to find out about that, follow us on Twitter. That's the best way to do so. Again, we are at BTC Bulletin Pod on Twitter. Uh, we're also on Noster, and our NPUB is in the show notes. It's too long to read out, but it's also referenced in Twitter. So if you prefer Noster, follow us on Twitter. I'm trying to post on Noster more often. But reach out to me on Twitter if you are on Twitter, uh, and let me know what you think about the show, topics you want me to cover, things you like uh, like hearing, things you are sick of hearing. I try and make this show as uh, noob-centric as possible because... You know, we do get first-time listeners, and we do get noobs and people that have never been orange-pilled before. So, you know, some of the stuff we, we mention every single podcast. Uh, so if you're sick of hearing me give the definition of DCA, well, sorry. That's something we kind of have to do because there are people out there listening for the first time. So I try and keep it fresh, but I want to hear your input. So DM me at BTC Bulletin Pod on Twitter. If you don't have Twitter, send me an email. Our email is bitcoinbulletin at protonmail.com. Again, Bitcoin Bulletin, just like the podcast, at protonmail.com, and let me know. I'd like to hear from you. I really like hearing from you when you send boosts, like Leggy did. That's great feedback, and it's cool to uh, it's cool to, to see and cool to hear from you. And it, it's great that you help support the podcast, uh, and that you help support the podcast via Lightning. Uh, that's awesome in more ways than one. But I, more importantly than helping support the show, uh, I, I like feedback. So again, on Twitter, we're at BTC Bulletin Pod. And the email is bitcoinbulletin at protonmail.com. All right. I don't have anything in the works special planned for this next week, but you never know. But at least I will see you on Wednesday and every Wednesday for our next DCA Wednesday episode, where hopefully we get this stack over 8 million sats in the next purchase or two. I mean, Bitcoin doesn't have to dip a whole lot for uh, for us to, uh, us to, to, uh, to amass 81,000 sats. Uh, that's probably a minimum of two purchases away. But either way, that's coming up fast. And hopefully we will do that in the next Wednesday or two. Until that time, though, keep on stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers. <laughs>